morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. Trust you will be blessed as we look into God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege to come <clears throat> to look into your word. I pray that you will guide and direct my thoughts and words, that they will bring glory to you, and that they will be a blessing to everyone. I ask that you will speak to us where we are. We are different, and we have different needs, so I pray that you will minister to us according to our needs. We pray for the Sunday school as well, that you will guide and direct that as well, that the kids will be blessed as they listen to your word. Pray for the teachers as well, that you will guide them. Thank you for the privilege to come this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's good to see you. Um, summer is, seems to be running. I wish it was crawling, but it's running and it's on its way out. <clears throat> and so we are going to share a few thoughts this morning. Hopefully you will be blessed and encouraged. I want to start with a thought that is not the main message, but I feel I should at least speak along those lines first before I go to the main message. A soldier was heading out to war. And as he was going, is he went to visit his grandfather, and then he said, Grandfather, please pray for me that uh, I will be bold. He, the soldier was a Christian, and I will have a good testimony. He was afraid, heading to war for the first time. And the grandfather was old, feeble, living with pains, difficulties, struggles, said to the soldier, please pray for me that I might have the courage to leave. Sometimes <clears throat> we face uh, challenges that don't seem to go away, pains, aches, difficulties, and you will agree with me that it appears the older you get, the more the pains the aches, the difficulties increase. And so you need courage to live, the grace to live in the midst of your struggles and in the midst of your pain. And uh, so I felt I need to speak to this by referring you to one scripture that Apostle Paul found very helpful while he was in prison. He was um, being imprisoned, life was hard, Life was difficult for him, but he was a child of God, and he found Philippians 4 verse 13 very helpful. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <clears throat> I didn't ask for the passage yet, but this, <laughs> so I'm not in Philippians yet, Matt. <laughs> you don't have this passage. That's why I said it's a distraction. <laughs> or it's a, it's a detour from the message. So it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And 
in that passage, he says, I know how to live in want. I know how to live in plenty. I know how to live in all kinds of situations, and I'm finding strength from Christ. And so I want to encourage you, if you are having difficulties, struggles, and uh, things like that, to focus on Christ so that you might find strength. So Philippians 4 verse 13 is the first message. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, you know, your circumstance might not be physical. It might be emotional. And it might be financial. It might be difficulty in all realms of life. As long as you are a believer and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, there is strength for the journey. I can do all things through Christ. All right, so that was the first part of the message. I felt I need to speak to that. Now, the second part of the message will continue from where I stopped the last time. In my experience, if you preach one month ago, nobody remembers much of what you said. Even the preacher himself doesn't remember, so don't feel bad. And so sometimes it's good. We go back. The title of the message this morning is The Measure of a Man. How do you evaluate somebody? How do you measure him? One way to do that is to look at his bank account and say he has lots of money, he's very successful, so he's a highly valuable person. That's one way to do that. Uh, you can look at it in terms of he has PhD in mechanical engineering, so that I use myself so that you don't feel bad. He's highly studied, very intelligent, so he must be a very valuable person. You say he has won all the trophies. Simply the best hockey star that has ever lived, or basketball, or whatever it is. So whenever he shows up, we line our kids on the street to make sure that they see this guy. It's what we call success. So the measure of a man. So there are so many ways if we evaluate people, and the world tends to give us standards by which we use to measure people. But Jesus made a startling statement in Luke chapter 12. And I'd like to go back to it again, in Luke chapter 12. Uh, Mark, let's go to, to the next verse. Yes. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, a young man came to Jesus Christ, and he had issues with his brother, and he said, um, teacher, I want my brothers to share the inheritance that we've been blessed with. Give me my portion. And Jesus turned to the crowd, or after saying to the man who made me a judge over you, he turned to the crowd, he said, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. Look at that, this simple phrase. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's the phrase I want to work with this morning. That is a startling statement. 
A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I want to suggest to you that in the world today, that is the exact opposite. The world will probably say a man's life is measured by his possession. But Jesus said this to the man or to the crowd, he says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Now let me suggest to you that if one's life was measured by the wealth or the possession that he had, then Jesus himself was out of the running. He was born in a stable to a poor carpenter and a poor Mary, they had nothing. And not only that, somebody came to him on one occasion and said he wanted to be his disciples and Jesus said, foxes have holes, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And when he died, there were no safe boxes in his account or any of those values. So if one's life is measured by the possession that they have on earth, then I suggest to you that Jesus' life, probably if we measure it by that standard, by all account, he was a failure. But you will agree with me that no one was greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. No one lived a happier happier life than him, and no one was more successful than the Lord. In fact, Corinthians tells us, he says, he became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. And Philippians tells us the stages by which he humbled himself and he lost, so to speak, all things that is measured, that is used to measure people. He lost all of that. And yet he was the most successful man and the greatest person that ever lived. So I'd like to suggest to you that this statement is important in terms of trying to measure people because I'm going to suggest the right way to measure life, to measure life. You know, at least I left it here. I didn't say, how do you evaluate people? But I have to answer, then what, is, what love does life consist of? I have to answer that later. Now, I'd like to suggest again that, <clears throat> and then Jesus went on to tell a story. I don't, I don't really have time to read this story. We read it the last time. But the a story of a man that his stocks increase, and he tore down the bands and built some more, built some more, built some more, built some more. And then he said, my soul rests. You have abundance to enjoy. And his life was taken the, you know, the, that night. So that's the story that goes on with this. And that story was told to the crowd that consisted of rich, poor, middle class. Everyone was there. Just to make it clear that the life of a man does not consist in his possessions. Now, does that, does that mean that God doesn't want us to own things? No. Perhaps, let me put it this way, he doesn't want things to own us. He wants to be the only one that owns us and not things. Let's begin with a a true story. 
And I want you to think about this story as we read. Mark, I think we are going to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Let's read together. And as he was setting out of his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In some other translation, it says, a rich, young ruler. So he was rich, he was young, or some other verses in Luke, I believe, and he was a ruler. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not be a false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Where I grew up as a young child, we made it a point of duty in my church to learn the Ten Commandments. I still remember, I learned it in my language, Exodus chapter 20. We made sure we learned it because it was good codes of conduct to have. So Jesus tells this man, you know this commandment, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not be a false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. All of this I have kept from my youth. I've done this. I know the Ten Commandments. I've been keeping them since I was young. I've done nothing wrong. In other words, this man wasn't a murderer. He wasn't an adulterer. He didn't steal. He didn't be a false witness. He didn't defraud. He honored his father and mother. Let's, let's continue reading. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Notice that? He looked at him and loved him and asked him to do an impossible thing. In fact, when I read this story, I said, I doubt I would have done what Jesus asked him to do. I want you to think about it and say to him, you lack one thing. The man was wondering, what is that one thing that I lack? He says, go, sell all, all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Friends, if I was this man and I go to Jesus, very nice to him, call him good teacher, I bow down and say, what must I do to have eternal life? And then he's listed all the commandments and then at the end of the day he looked at me and said, I love you. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. <laughs> Let's read how he responded. Let's just read. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I see myself almost responding like this guy. 
As much as I love Jesus, I'm weighing Jesus, my stuff. Jesus, my stuff. Jesus, my stuff. I can see myself saying, this is not what I was looking for. And this is not what I asked. I can see myself walking away. You might be more spiritual than I am and said, okay, I'm going to go and sell all my stuff. I'm going to give it all away to the poor and I'm going to come back and I'm going to follow Jesus. But notice that Jesus loved him and told him what he needed to do. The man walked away from following the Lord. The life of a man does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This young man, when Jesus told him to do this, didn't believe that life doesn't consist in abundance of possessions. And uh, he went away sorrowful, and Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how difficult it would be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. We know the rest of the story, those who trust in wealth. And then the disciples said, who then can be saved? Did I do this? Oh, I thought it was me. (laughs) Okay, so where am I going with this? I am saying that this young man did all the right things, except he lacked one thing. And in the way we evaluate people, we probably would have said he was a good man who worked very hard, had earned a lot of living, and so he didn't defraud anyone we read and all of that, and so he should keep his possession, he should enjoy him. Jesus is asking him to do the impossible. The Lord Jesus understood that this man's possession was possessing him, and he needed to at least allowed him to take hold of his heart. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now let's read another one so that you see the contrast. Philippians chapter 3. Mark Philippians chapter 3. We see another man here who did not have material possessions but he possessed some other credentials that were of great value to him. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. This is Paul writing. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for dogs. Look out for evil doers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Keep going. <clears throat> for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Let's look at what this man had. For we are the circumcision who worship God by the Spirit and glory. Can I get the next verse? Circumcised on the earth day. That's Paul. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, 
as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Can we go back just to those verses again? Paul began to list his credentials. He said, there were some things that were very valuable to me. I was circumcised on the earth there. I was an Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. I kept all the law as a Pharisee. And I even persecuted those that followed the Lord Jesus Christ. As to righteousness under the law, he says what? Blameless. Blameless. Then he adds, let's go, let's go on. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. For what? For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing else. What does life consist of? Jesus answered this question when he was praying in John chapter 17. This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God. True life consists of knowing and growing in the knowledge of God. Getting deeper in our relationship with God. And so Paul says here, I count everything, everything, all the credentials that I had, all the status that I had, all the things that people of his day considered worthwhile. He said, I count them as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, he said, I have suffered the loss of all things. And he added, I count them as what? Rubbish. There's so many valuable things that we ascribe in the world. Paul looked at them and said, compared to Christ, compared to knowing Jesus Christ, these things, they are things. They are not to be worshipped. I count them as nothing. Now, I want to ask you the question as a believer. Do you have this attitude towards, let me put it this way, the blessings, the blessings or the things that the Lord has endowed you with? Do you have an attitude that says, compared to Christ, nothing else is valuable? Or do you compare things with Christ and sometimes you choose things instead of Christ? Paul said, nothing else is worth knowing apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. What does life consist of? True life consists of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and growing in that knowledge. That's what life is. Because that life will last forever. That life will never fade. That life will never come to an end. It is the only thing valuable to have. The Lord Jesus Christ. And growing in that relationship. Every other thing my friend David would say, would say, I would say, has an expiry date. They're all going to expire. But the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is life eternal, that they may know thee, 
the only true God and thy son Jesus. That will last forever. And so this is the pursuit that we are supposed to be engaging, finding ways to grow in that knowledge, to grow in that relationship. We make lots of effort to get possessions. And I want to challenge you that we should make equal efforts to grow in our knowledge of Christ. We shouldn't slag about it and we shouldn't be lazy about it. So Paul says here, as we read, everything else is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. So what does life consist of? True life consists of knowing and growing in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's life. Knowing him. There's no greater thing. How about we sing that as a song right now while I take my breath or catch my breath? All right. So let's sing knowing you, standing as you are able. Know thee, the only true God. Remember, Paul was born again. But he wasn't satisfied with, okay, I'm born again and I'm going to heaven. He wanted to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ in his own life, in his experience. He wanted to know more on how to lean on him, on how to trust in him, and how to have fellowship with him on a continuous basis. So he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death. That by all means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Keep going, because I'm going somewhere. Not that I have already obtained or I'm already perfect. Paul, he said this. But I praise on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Keep going. Brothers, this is for those of you who have been believers for a long time. I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. We can learn from this great apostle on how we can grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, forgetting what lies behind. Remember the good old days? We like to talk about the good old days when we walked with the Lord and did this, did that. Paul said, I had very great good old days. But I've learned something. I forget what lies behind. Some things are worth forgetting so that we may grow in our knowledge of Christ. And part of that is the good old days. We need fresh start every day in our relationship. Forgetting what lies behind and straining towards to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he goes on. I didn't add the next verse. He says, well, if you think you have attained, hopefully you will consider what I've said and then you will emulate me. Essentially, don't consider yourself to have attended or to have reached the epic of your knowledge of Christ. He's saying you can grow in this relationship. Feasting on his word, praying to him, fellowshipping with him in so many ways keeping that relationship going. And one way to do it is to forget the past and praise on. 
So what is life? Real life consists of knowing Christ. Nothing else gives greater joy than to know that I am growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how much I'm paid or whether I'm unemployed. If I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I have tremendous peace and satisfaction. But when I leave that behind and focus on other things, I tend to lose it. And so friends, I want to challenge you. The life of a man does not consist in the abundance of the things he has. It consists in the relationship that he has with a person and how that relationship is growing. When you are growing your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have life, life that no one can take away and no circumstance can diminish. So I want to challenge you, like he said to that man, grow, grow in your relationship with Christ and be like Paul. If you have many titles, many achievements, whatever they are, many resources, they don't constitute life. Life is in a person. Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. So do you know him? Keep growing. And if you don't know him, he's worth knowing. Because that is when you begin to live. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word. Jesus came to give us life. And so we pray that, Father, you help us to grow in this relationship on a daily basis. That we will grow in our relationship with your son. We give him priority, preference, and give him the importance that he deserves. That we will not be like that rich man that went away sorrowful because he was asked to follow the Lord, but that we will follow you on a continuous basis and that we will grow. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You have to indulge me. I'm a Nigerian, so just, I'm a, I'm a Nigerian and we behave strange. So can we sing that knowing you one more time? Just that is a strange Nigerian in me. <laughs> Let's sing it one more time on our way out. <laughs>